We're in a series on the great victories of the Bible. And today I want to share a great victory from the Bible. In fact, uh, this particular event in, in the history of the Bible is the most referenced event in the Bible. And uh, do you have any idea what that would be? Just give that a, a thought for a minute and uh, I'll spill the beans here now. We're going to be talking about the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. That is the most referenced event in the Bible. It's referred to more than any other event in Scripture. Well, let's go to Exodus 1, verse 6 and 7. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that um, the family of Jacob moved to Egypt um, to get away from the famine um, that was in the land of Canaan. And because Joseph was second in command in Egypt, he was able to care for the family and they thrived there. And uh, this is what the scripture says in Exodus 1, 6 and 7. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. And so that gives us an idea of how many there were of the Israelites. They, were, um, they greatly multiplied in the land of Egypt. In fact, um, it's said elsewhere in the, in the book of um, Exodus that um, they had become so numerous they became a threat to the people of Egypt and especially, especially to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. But I want to I go back and, and uh, talk about a promise that God made to Abraham and that will give um, background to what we're going to be talking about today. Let's go to Genesis 17, 8. Even before um, Isaac was born, uh, God made this promise to Abraham. And he said this, he said, the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. Abraham was living in the land of Canaan at that time. And he was living as a foreigner, as you can see in the scripture. And God says, I'll give this land to you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So um, we have this promise from God. Um, God had also promised to Abraham earlier that he would make them as numerous as the stars in heaven. Abraham believed God. Um, later, when he was asked to offer Isaac and, and God spoke to him, he reaffirmed that, that uh, promise he had made to Abraham. And so we have promise that, that uh, Abraham's descendants are going to be numerous and that um, he's going to be their God and all the nations on earth will be blessed through his his nation or his descendants, and, uh, and then that they will have this land of Canaan. Okay, now let's go back to where we began the story today. So this family that has grown greatly and grown into actually a nation is now 
living within Egypt. And they've become so numerous and so successful and so blessed by God that they become a threat to um, the king of Egypt and to the people of Egypt. And so in an effort to, to control them and to keep the threat down, they've enslaved them. They've conscripted them for heavy labor. They're, they were involved in building two cities in Egypt and uh, in making bricks and, and doing stonework, heavy, heavy labor. And uh, their oppression was great. They, they, uh, they, felt the, um, they felt the oppression that was being forced upon them by the Egyptians. And at one point, uh, the Pharaoh became so threatened by this group of people that he asked the midwives that gave birth or helped in the birth process of the Israelites to kill every male baby that was born. Well, they wouldn't do it. And uh, so the king of Egypt devised another scheme. And he said, um, anyone that sees a male um, Israelite baby is to throw that baby into the Nile River. And so that became a, another threat to these people. And, and they're, they're extremely distressed by this, as you can imagine. And God hears their cry. And I want you to, uh, to read another passage with me. Let's look at Exodus 2, 23 and 24. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The, Israelite, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God knew that he had promised this nation would be numerous. They would be the result of blessing for the, the whole world and that they would have the land of Canaan someday. And so God, in his sovereign um, mercy and his great power, he gives birth. He allows a son to be born to a family um, living in Egypt, an Israelite family. And this baby's name is Moses. So he's born at this time when the command from Pharaoh was, was strong that um, baby boys were to be thrown into the Nile. The, the parents decided that they would take their chances with this baby. And so they put him in a, a basket and they, they floated this basket among the reeds on the Nile. And uh, their daughter was watching as this basket was floating. And they're trying to, in some way, prolong the life of this baby. Uh, I can imagine they don't have any idea how this is going to work. And, uh, but one day, Pharaoh's daughter was walking along the Nile River, and she walks by this basket where Moses is inside. And she retrieves this basket out of the river and sees this baby and falls in love with it. And, uh, you know, and watching some of you ladies 
the, the way you interact with a newborn baby, it's, I, I can just imagine why she fell in love with it. Every woman falls in love with a newborn baby, it seems. And she did. But Moses' sister, Miriam, was, was there on the banks. And uh, as Pharaoh's daughter is interacting with this baby, she runs up and she said, would you like me to find um, someone to be a nurse to this baby? And, you know, it had to have been someone that could be a wet nurse to the baby. And so um, she goes and finds Moses' mother and brings her to Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses' mother becomes Moses' nurse. She nurses him through infancy and then uh, stays on for his care and is under the oversight of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, uh, long story short, short, Moses grows up in the um, palace of Egypt um, and uh, is trained. Uh, We're not sure of all the details of that, but we know that he grew up um, being being Pharaoh's daughter and was trained in, in the ways of Egypt. Later on, when he was um, at the age of 40, he had a desire to go out and, and to interact with his people. He knew that he was a Jew. He knew that he was an Israelite. And he went out and observed his people being uh, persecuted and oppressed in their slavery. And uh, in one case, he saw an Egyptian that was beating an Israelite. And he was incensed. And he went and he actually killed the Egyptian that was beating the Israelite and hid his body in the sand. Went out again the next day to um, watch his people and he saw two Israelites fighting and he admonished them. And, and one of them said, well, do you intend to kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? And um, so Moses realized that what he had done the day before was known. In fact, it had become known to Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh was incensed and was determined to uh, punish Moses. And Moses fled Egypt. He uh, went to the land of Midian and uh, saw some shepherd girls at a well. and They were being harassed by some shepherds. And he defended them and was able to help them get some water. They brought him home to their father, who was the priest of Midian. His name was Jethro. And he stayed with this priest and he, he uh, took care of his sheep and was, was um, a hired hand and got to marry one of his daughters, a woman by the name of Zipporah. And so uh, Moses is out tending his father-in-law's sheep and he comes across um, a sight that he's never seen before. He sees a bush that's burning and uh, he's probably seen a bush burning before, but this bush is burning and it's not consumed. It just keeps burning. It's like one of those logs, uh, gas logs in our fireplace. You know, they just keep burning and burning and the log never burns up. That's what was happening here. And as he went to look closer, God speaks to him from the bush. And God confronts him with um, what he wants Moses to do. And he says to Moses, 
by the way, told him to take his shoes off because the place where he was standing was holy ground. And Moses did that. And uh, he listened to God. And God said, I want to send you to Egypt. And I want you to bring my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And uh, Moses and God had some dialogue here. And Moses said, how, how can I possibly bring the people of Israel out of Egypt? They don't, they don't know who I am. And if I go to them and say, God has told me to do this, to lead you out. Uh, and they asked me, what, what's God's name? What should I say? And God said, tell them my name is I am. And that became the name of God that was used from that point on um, for God. Uh, the name Yahweh, as you've, you've heard, uh, used. And so Moses continues his argument with God, and he says, I, I don't speak well. And God says, well, I'll, I'll send your brother Aaron along with you, and he can speak for you. So finally, Moses agrees to go, to go speak to Pharaoh. And his initial visit with Pharaoh was... Um, not a good one. He, he asked Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of Egypt for a three-day celebration and offering of sacrifices and worship. And Pharaoh said, um, in no way am I going to let you do that. In fact, you've got too much time on your hands to ask such a, a question. And uh, I'm going to increase your workload, which he did. He uh, with, withheld some of the supplies that they needed to make bricks. And so here they are having to meet their original quota with less supplies and having to, uh, to get their own supplies for the bricks. And, and uh, so the people of Israel are angry with Moses. And they said, why did you even go in there? We had it better before. And Moses is frustrated. God encourages him and says, don't be discouraged. I'm going to bring Israel out, but they're not going to come out easily because Pharaoh won't be convinced easily. And, uh, but I will, I will raise my mighty hand and my outstretched arm, and they'll come out. And he promises that to Moses. And so Moses goes back, and uh, he has a staff in his hand, and God has shown him that um, if he throws the staff down on the ground, it will become a snake. And he throws his staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. And he feels that this will convince Pharaoh to listen to him. And Pharaoh has his magicians do the same thing and it becomes their, their staffs become a snake. And he's not convinced. Moses comes back one more time and he says, if you don't let my people go, he said every drop of water in the Nile River is going to turn to blood. And in the streams and in your pots, the water is going to turn to blood. And so uh, Pharaoh says, I am not going to let you go. And Moses leaves, and as he leaves, everything, all the water in the land of Egypt turns to blood. Pharaoh is, is hard-hearted, and uh, Moses comes back with 
plague after plague after plague. He leaves him the second time, um, pledging that the land is going to be overrun with frogs. And it is. And his palace is, is not exempt. It's, it's invaded with frogs. And he calls for Moses and he asks him to stop the plague. And Moses stops the plague. And then Pharaoh's heart becomes hard and he doesn't let them go. And then there's the plague of gnats. And then there's a the plague of flies. And then there's the plague of livestock being killed. And then there's the plague of boils on the skin of the Egyptians. And then there's the plague of, of massive hailstones that kill every living thing that wasn't undercover in some way. And uh, then there was a plague of locusts that came and devoured everything that was green. And then there was a plague of intense darkness. And uh, then finally, Moses said, if you will not let my people go, I pledge to you that every firstborn son in Egypt will perish. And every firstborn among the livestock. And he left Pharaoh. And God said, tonight, I'm going to pass through the land and I'm going to bring death upon every firstborn who's not covered by a home that has the blood of a lamb, a Passover lamb, smeared on the doorposts of that home. And so Moses and all the Israelites celebrated their first Passover that night. The Passover lamb was slain. Uh, unleavened bread uh, was, um, well, the, the Passover lamb was slain. The blood was smeared over the doorposts and the lentils of, the, of each home. And that night when the, the death angel came through the land, every Egyptian home where there was no blood, was, um, there was a firstborn who was lost, firstborn of all the livestock. And the scripture said there was great wailing and crying in Egypt that night. And Pharaoh called for Moses and he said, get out, take your people and your cattle and get out. He relented on everything that he would not relent on before that time. And he forced them out. And as they left, God had encouraged the people of Israel to ask their neighbors for gold and silver and uh, things, clothing, things that they might need along the journey. And they did. And in this way, they plundered Egypt as they left. And so they left. And they traveled through the wilderness several days and they came to the Red Sea. And as they were coming to the Red Sea, back in Egypt, Pharaoh is rethinking what he had just done. And he was thinking, how foolish was I to let all of our free labor go? And um, we're going to get them back. And so he rounds up his, his army and they go after them with chariots and horses and armed forces. And they're going after the Israelites. And the Israelites are at the Red Sea and they apparently are hemmed in on the sides and there's, 
the Egyptians are coming after them and they can't go towards the Egyptians. They can't go through the Red Sea and they seem to be hemmed in on the sides and they're crying out to God. And God says to Moses, take the staff that's in your hand and wave it over the Red Sea. And so Moses took the staff that was in his hand and God told him what was going to happen. And Moses encouraged the people and he said, don't be afraid. Tonight you're going to see the the deliverance of the Lord and uh, you're going to walk through this sea on dry land. So he waved his his staff over the sea and as he waved his staff, the water began to stand up on the sides and and a, a dry path was created through the Red Sea. And the people of Israel walked through on that dry path. And as they got to the other side and the Egyptians realized what had happened, they saw this path and they plunged in after them, thinking that they would overtake them with their horses and chariots. But as they got into the, the, the seabed, they, their wheels began to turn and um, they began to be stuck And then God um, spoke to Moses and said, wave your hand over the Red Sea. He's on the other side at this point. And as he waved his hand, the sea came in over these soldiers and over these chariots and horses. And every soldier and chariot and horse were drowned in the Red Sea. And so they made it to the other side. And... What do you suppose that they did when they got to the other side? They had a time of celebration. In fact, um, the Bible says that the, the women got their tambourines out and they began to sing a song. Evidently, Moses had written a song that he gave them and they began to sing this song. And here's just part of it. I'd like you to, to read it with me. It's in uh, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. There's much more to the song, but they were singing this and dancing with their tambourines and having a great celebration. God had done um, the impossible. Later, when Moses was talking to the people of Israel before they entered the promised land, he gave a summary of what had happened. And I'd like to read this summary, and then I'd like for us to talk about what this all means. Here's what what Moses said to the people of Israel right before they went into the promised land. Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? And we know the answer to that question, don't we? The answer is no, no. No God has ever tried to do that or been able to do that. Only our God has done that. And he has done it. Think about it. 
when you think about how would a nation that's within a nation leave that nation when they're enslaved? They've not had an opportunity to to train as soldiers. They, They certainly couldn't fight their way out. Or if they did, there would be great loss of life on both sides. And so how would a nation come out of another nation? God has has a plan always. We saw that last week in the way that he had a plan for sparing the nation of Israel when a famine was um, about to take them out. And now he has a plan for the nation of Israel to get out of slavery, to leave their enslavement in Egypt and come to the land that God had promised to give them hundreds of years ago to Abraham. And so he did it by plagues. He did it by convincing the king of Egypt who had no desire to let them go, that he needed to let them go. And the people of Israel did not lose a single life in the process. No one was killed by an Egyptian sword. No one was slain by an Egyptian soldier. In fact, They were encouraged to leave and given gold and silver and clothes as they left by their neighbors. This is a great um, account, and you can see why it's quoted and referred to more times than any other event in Scripture. First of all, it shows the extent to which God will go in rescuing his people or in in delivering his people. God will go to any extent to deliver his people, including 10 plagues, including bloody water and frogs and gnats and flies and dead livestock and boils and hail and locusts and darkness and the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians. He was willing to do all of that to bring them out, and he did. And then when Egypt had second thoughts and they were going to get them back, he opens up the Red Sea and allows them to walk across on dry land and then closes it on the Egyptians as they come after them. The power of God is great, and God's Love for his own is so great that he will go to any extent to set his people free. And let me just ask you a question today. Are you bound by anything today? Um, You're not enslaved in another nation, probably. You're probably not enslaved by any other person. Maybe. Maybe... um, Someone holds power over you in an unhealthy way. God wants to set you free. If it's um, enslavement to substance, if it's enslavement to uh, something like pornography, if it's enslavement to thoughts, fearful thoughts, to depression, God wants to set you free. And we've seen in the story today that he'll go to any extent to set his people free. 
and he will set you free. The last thing that I want us to think about today is just um, what the Israelites did when they got across the Red Sea and they recognized what God did in closing the door on Egypt one last time by bringing the waters back over the army of Egypt. They, they celebrated and they praised and thanked the Lord. We've come through a, a difficult time in our nation's history. This last year and some months have been extremely difficult for us. We've cried out to God during that time. I've been with you when we've prayed. Uh, we've prayed in church. Uh, we've prayed in our small groups. We've prayed in our homes. We've asked God to uh, set us free from this virus that has, has enslaved us for over a year. And has God done it? We're seeing the signs of that freedom today, aren't we? And I just want to suggest that we not forget the cries that we lifted to the Lord um, all those months when we felt like we were enslaved. Let's not forget that we lifted those cries to God. And today we are looking on very possibly freedom from what we had prayed for. Let's be prepared to offer up to God ecstatic and heartfelt thanksgiving. Would you join me in prayer today? Thank you, Lord, for this reminder of what you will do to fulfill a promise to one of your own, to Abraham, that they would one day be numerous and that they would possess a land, the land of Canaan. And you brought them out, out of slavery because they cried to you and you heard their cry and you wouldn't allow them to be oppressed any longer and so you delivered them. Thank you for listening to our cries during this last year and some months. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And God, we want to celebrate you we want to remember all that you've done. And we want to believe you for everything that we face in the future because you are truly a mighty God. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.